0: Welcome to The Marketect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Marketech is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Each episode, powered by Pavilion, helps you unlock your professional potential by featuring experts who will share how they build impactful teams and optimize their go-to market execution. Welcome and enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to a special edition of the Market Tech recorded at Pavilion's CMO Summit in beautiful San Francisco. I was honored recently to be amongst such an esteemed group of marketing leaders and grateful to the team at Pavilion for bringing us together. And what great timing now, more so than ever, our companies need us. Our job as marketing leaders is to help our companies exchange value for money. We help facilitate the exchange of value for money. Your product provides the value and your customer provides the money. You may well know your product is awesome, but does your customer, with your customer drowning in a sea of new tech and choices, how do you help them understand your value? More importantly, how do you help them understand your value efficiently? You see, efficiency is the name of the game in 2023. Our technology sector has been a significant growth driver for individuals and investors for over a decade, even through the global pandemic. However, the cracks in that growth story are coming to light the growth at all cost philosophy is being questioned, rightfully so, putting pressure on our technology ecosystem to demonstrate more robust unit economics. Turbulent times often call for recalibration. In the last few months, we've seen a renewed emphasis on efficiency as evident by the almost daily layoffs in the news cycle. As such, now more than ever, well-defined positioning can be a powerful efficiency tool for you and your companies. Why? Positioning means focus, and focus avoids waste. A more precise definition of who you are and how you win provides a lens through which each function in your company can draw a line between in and out of scope. Unnecessary product features, wasted content, and sales cycles spent targeting the wrong ICP can all be cut before they start. Positioning is a tool that helps you efficiently exchange value for money. Strong positioning, well, strong positioning, it makes your value obvious. Strong positioning attracts the right customer, profitable customers, instead of margin-sucking maggots. Strong positioning helps you sell quickly because you're in the right category. However, positioning alone will not ensure success in 2023 you also need a second tool this year to efficiently drive growth. You'll need revenue plays. If positioning is your tool for efficiency, revenue plays is your tool to drive velocity. So who can help you develop both your positioning and revenue plays? Your product marketing leader, your product marketing discipline, my people. As such, we gathered this tip-top panel to share their perspective on how to use the discipline of product marketing and the strategic tools of positioning and revenue plays to stand out and win in 2023. Welcome, Megan, Sydney, and Kyle. Megan, why don't you uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure, hi, good afternoon. I'm Megan Eisenberg, uh, CMO of Lacework. I've been there about five months, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, for the cloud and prior to that I was at TripActions Navon for about three and a half years and then uh, before that uh, four years at MongoDB.
0: I'm Sydney Sloan, I'm currently an executive in residence at Scale Ventures uh, advising our portfolio and all things go to market. Uh, prior to that I was the CMO at Salesloft for three years, three, almost four years um, and I've also been a CMO at a company called Alfresco.
3: Kyle. Hello everybody. Kyle Coleman, I'm the SVP of marketing at Clary, been at Clary for about four years. Prior to that, I was early employee at a company called Looker, grew the team from six people to 800, acquired by Google in 2019. So uh, grew up on the sales side, so I probably have a stronger perspective on the revenue plays that we're gonna talk about in a moment, but a little bit of a fox in the hen house from a marketing perspective, so excited to talk about it.
1: All right, so let's get to it. So before we get into positioning and revenue plays, We're gonna level set because there's a bit of a misnomer as to what is product marketing. So let's start with what is product marketing and how does product marketing provide value to the folks in your organization? Who wants to go first?
0: I'll go first. Um, so I, I forgot to mention I uh, was at Adobe for 17 years doing product marketing, <laughs> where I grew up. Um, and, and I've always thought of product marketing as, uh, first, the hardest job in marketing, because they are like the quarterback, the orchestration between the market, like what's going on in the market, having a point of view on the market. Uh, how does that translate to customer needs and the product's needs? And then translating that into driving campaigns and enabling sales and working with customers. And so I think, you know, it's it's hard to quantify sometimes. Product marketing feels like it's hard to quantify their impact because they're involved across all aspects of the business. But I like to look at uh, product growth, retention, utilization as ways to, to do that as well as competitive differentiation.
1: Love it. And Kyle, just on our LinkedIn post when we were promoting this thing here, you said product marketing is... Making the complex simple. Do you want to expand on that?
3: Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And again, just given my background being on the SDR side, on the sales side, and so much time spent with outbound messaging, there's a lot that can be learned from message resonance, from an outbound perspective for what good product marketers do. It's not about being clever. It's about being clear. And if you can, if your product marketing team can make the complexity of the technology simple, not dumb it down, I don't mean to say that, But simplify, simple street-level language, it moves the needle in a major way. And I think the role of product marketing, at least the way that our team operates, is at a few different levels, We, as we talk about positioning, and especially in the era of rationalization, as this (laughs) is aptly named, the positioning in the category is something that PMMs have to spend a lot of time on. Consumers, buyers think category first. And they make technology's decisions based on how high of a priority that category is for them to purchase, especially now when all of the spend is being rationalized, when there's so much consolidation happening from a technology standpoint, and there are so many categories to choose from. If your product marketing team can effectively evangelize the category and specifically the problem of the category, then your product, technology, service, solution, whatever is seen as the solution to that problem. And that's a huge lift. So positioning, starting with category, making the complex simple, and tying it back to, we'll talk about revenue plays in a moment, but it starts, I think, at that highest level and then it trickles all the way down.
1: Brilliant. Megan, you started your career in product marketing. What is product marketing?
2: Yeah, I often think product marketing is the cerebral part of marketing because they're um, they're they're, they should be defining and understanding your ICP, the persona that you're tapping into, um, understanding the customer, the buyer, partnering, and really in the middle of product and sales. So they're aligned with product, understanding what's coming, hopefully having a viewpoint, and uh, working with them on the strategy based on what they're seeing out in the market. And then of course uh, the quarterback launching it. into the market. And part of that is making sure that the sales team is enabled and that they truly understand what the customer pain is and then how your company solves it for them. So the positioning and how you do it differently than your competition and uh, a critical part. And when I think about the rest of the market or organization, they're taking that messaging brief direction and they're the arms and the legs going to all the channels, whether it's social or email or website or events and the field. Uh, And they bring it to life.
1: Lovely. And so when I think of product marketing, I know no one asked me, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Uh, When I think of product marketing, I think of it as simply in three buckets. What product marketers do is WIN. W-I-N. And that's an acronym. Latin. I know what you're thinking. My God, he's not just handsome. He's actually pretty smart, too. So here's what the WIN is all about. W, who are you winning with? And who are you winning against? The I in win is impact. Not only is what is the value that your company is providing, what is the impact off that value? And then the N is narrative. That's the the thing that helps you, the Steve Jobs effect, that's the thing that helps you emotionally, rationally, convey in a story manner with your internal folks as well as your external folks. So that in a nutshell is what product marketing is all about. We help you win. Building off that, there's product marketing and then there's solution marketing. And Sydney, you brought this up on a call a couple days ago. Uh, what's the distinction?
0: Oh, you know, it's hard because so many times when you land on a website, boy, aren't companies proud of their product, right? <laughs> look at my product. Here's my product screenshot on the homepage. That just happened to me the other day. And and it, it doesn't talk about the customer first. And so I think of... You know, and a lot of times, I'll have product marketers and solution marketers on the team because you still need someone to run the launches and you know write all the briefs. But the solution marketers first thinking about what problem do we solve? Ideally, if you have multi product, they're looking at cross product uh, problems to solve, and and they're 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 starting with the customer first. Not to say that product marketing doesn't, but really understanding you know what is it that my customer is trying to solve? What is the value of that? And so, a lot of times, you'll I'll put value engineering in the solution team, um, and then and then articulating that and building the models around that. So it it you know it probably isn't a bigger team you know not your first hire, um, but uh, definitely like the you know product marketing, uh, competitive solution marketing are kind of the three facets. Um, it also can get you into verticals, so where you can start to look at other similar problems in different verticals. And so they're just, they're just looking at it from a different angle is how I think about it.
1: Love it. Love it. And, and just building off that, so there's product marketing, solution marketing. Where should product marketing sit? Megan, you and I were just having this conversation. What are your thoughts on where product marketing should sit?
2: I mean, for myself, I, I think product marketing should sit in marketing. I think it's <laughs> a, a key part of it. But I, I've certainly see, seen it work under product. Uh, At MongoDB, product marketing sat within marketing, but partnered very closely with product because it's very technical. I think if it's a very technical product, there's temptation to move it one way or the other. But uh, at like Elastic, I know has had product marketing under product. I think when you remove it, you take away the cerebral part of it, and you risk that the rest of the organization is going to market disconnected. So you, if you're the CMO, you need to make sure that you know and understand the you know, the messaging brief, the direction, uh, the ICP, the target, and there's a good feedback loop and learning so that the rest of the organization is targeting the right buyer with the right message
1: brilliant. We have a we have a
3: bit of an, an orthodox marketing team at Clary. We have all things traditional marketing. We have our outbound SDR team and we have all things enablement and what we call revenue excellence. And we actually split and this is a new setup so fingers crossed it works, but we split our product marketers onto two separate teams across marketing. A hmm. core PMMs report into our VP of Corporate Marketing. They work very tightly with the content team, brand team, with all those sorts of players. And that VP owns the relationship with product and engineering. And then we have go-to-market PMMs who report into our VP of what we call revenue excellence. That's enablement, value engineering, et cetera. And that VP owns a relationship with all of our go-to-market leaders. And so we have kind of this divisional labor that the core PMMs are the ones doing all of the positioning the core messaging the persona work the launch orchestration and all of that and then the go-to-market PMMs are the ones creating all the field-facing assets and making sure the uh, revenue plays and the enablement is running smoothly so you know the assembly line handoff has to happen somewhere between PMM and enablement and we've just kind of slid that handoff up earlier in the process and we'll see if it works
0: um so um Uh, That's another shout out for Latney. So I consider myself a chief market officer, not a chief marketing officer. And so for me, (laughs) um, there is no question where product marketing sits. I wouldn't take the role if it didn't sit within the team, uh, because I I so strongly believe that marketing that the, the CMO needs to have a point of view on the market. And, and that allows them to have the category conversation that allows them to tell the bigger and broader story for which you play within. Now, again, your customer has all these other technologies around, not just your world. So you have to start there if you're going to be relevant to them. And then uh, how do you tell the story in, in conjunction with the rest of yeah. the facets? Uh, and, and it's kind of cool too. Then you build better partnerships because you understand the broader story. Um, you are, you know, you can have conversations about build by partner. Um, I've, I've had our product marketers write MRDs, and um, and so, you know, that, I think, broadens their experience and depth and awareness to be able to do a better job of positioning, and then on the cerebral side, too, I'm a big fan of, like, really being um, methodical, like, this is when you get your, like, your McKinsey's or, you know, your consulting Uh, brain folks in there to start looking at how to define the market segmentations, how do you quantify them, how do you make the choice between which is the right strategy to invest in now versus others, and I need those quant kind of people in there kind of running those models.
1: Absolutely. Just yesterday, I was talking to a recent graduate who's three years into Bain, and she actually wants to come into the tech world and and start in product marketing because she's heard of just the strategic element that product marketing brings. And I'll get a little bit more into that in a second. Hey, there you are, Jill, I got your text about meeting up. So here we are, yeah, here we are. Um, I'm gonna preface, before I get to the next question, I'm just gonna paint you a picture here for a second. And it's about product marketing's key interlocks, stakeholders as well as their priorities. When you think of go-to-market for tech companies, I've seen various models, I, I, I'm a simple guy, so I reduced it to the number eight. So think of the number eight, there's two loops. There's the top loop, those who build, so product management, your engineering, your Q, QA, et cetera. And then the bottom loop are those who sell, marketing, sales, customer success, support, services. Product marketing is the pin that connects those two loops. We sit right smack dab in the middle of the two loops. We help the product folks understand what to build. We take what they build, and then we drive the go-to-market for those in marketing, sales, customer success, so on and so forth. We get their feedback. We take it back to product and say, hey, what you build needs to be iterated or sunset. New product comes out, iterate, and then you know, it keeps going. It's an infinity loop. There isn't a one and done when you come to actually launch launching a product. So think of that number eight. And if product marketing is sitting right at the intersection of those two loops, that's a lot of stakeholders. That's a lot of stakeholders for product marketing to engage with. So my question to this uh, group here is, how do you prioritize your product marketing efforts between short term, long term, and who are the key interlocks that they must be meeting with on a weekly basis to ensure that they're doing their job the right way?
2: Sure. Uh, you know. Every week they need to be meeting with product, and every every week they need to be meeting uh, with sales. Uh, certainly, understanding what's coming, uh, launch initiatives, figuring out where we are. We, you know, uh, what's the value that's coming, and discussing roadmap. I think with the sales team, they need to be in with the customer. So it's not just meeting with sales; they should be in uh, taking calls, taking meetings. I was I was talking to a, a lead product marketer, and he said something that really struck me as obvious, but, but I think insightful. And what he said is he knows where we're going wrong in sales enablement when he sits and preps with a sales rep before going in front of a customer because he can see where they're off on messaging. And I thought, oh, of course. If you're in there and you're prepping with them and then you go into the customer and they don't know something that they should be saying or positioning, you haven't enabled the field. And so that's an example, I think, of a good product marketer. They're in with sales. They're in the trenches. They meet with the customer. They get that feedback in real time. And then they're going to go back, not only create better enablement material, but they're going to go back to the product side and provide feedback. Hey, this is coming up over and over again with our prospects and customers. It's probably something we need on the roadmap, or when is this coming, or, how? you know, what, what can we do
0: to uh, address this objection? Brilliant. Um, adding to that, because yes to everything, um, I, I think one of the best interlocks that, that um, I've had is when this, the head of product, the head of marketing and then their head of product management and head of product marketing meet. So it was a, 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 the four of us would meet on, um, we met on a monthly basis. And our, um, our agenda was what's going on in the market. So all four of us would sit and talk about what we were Brilliant. seeing going on in the market from the product side, because they're having they're having calls all day, we're having calls all day. So it was a super fascinating discussion, and we created the time to have that. And then the second part is, how does that translate to the themes that we're building for our launches? And so the hardest thing that I think is the product marketers, where you know, we've gotten in SaaS to this kind of continuous innovation slash launch and a feature a week. And they're like hamsters on a wheel trying to launch, you know, every week. And nobody can remember that. So, depending on the size of company you're at, like, at what point do you go, whoa, stop? We need to build a a rhythm here for the business that helps our salespeople learn, our customers understand, and, and that ties back to the story that we want to tell. And so, that's part of that conversation, too, is like, when, you know, here's our next two quarters of launches, so I believe in a quarterly rhythm, you know, and, and what are the themes? What is it that we're building that go against those themes? And, and generally, the two quarters out it doesn't actually be the thing, you know, that gets launched in, in those two quarters, but at least we're talking about an understanding. And then when it comes to crunch time, when we're starting to do the launch readiness conversations, you know, we're, we're refining the themes, we're refining what, what features they're delivering, but that interlock ha- has been the most useful uh, for me.
2: Yeah, just one thing that kind of uh, had an idea around is when you're saying that the fast iteration features to market launching, launching all the time, and, and I heard someone describe it as you, you've got the storybook, but you're throwing at sales all these chapters, but in different orders, and they don't know where it fits in the story, right? And so to your point of level it up, understand the themes, look at it quarterly so they understand where the chapter fits.
0: Yeah. And tiering the releases, so not every feature is equal uh, in, in the world.
3: Uh, I'd add one thing, Sydney, to the group of people that you have on that monthly call. You you mentioned head of marketing, head of product, and then two yeah, lieutenants we from each sales. Have it. We, we do the same thing. We include our CRO plus head of sales and head of CS so that we get the full perspective on not just our, you know, the uh, customer prospect interactions that we have, but what the boots on the ground are really hearing and feeling and what should be prioritized to save at-risk deals, or at-risk customers, what kind of plays do we need to orchestrate to help with retention, upsell, cross-sell, in addition to driving all the demand on the new logo side? So I would recommend that you include, if you can, easier said than done, but if you can get all those stakeholders in a room, I think monthly is right.
0: Yeah, monthly monthly felt right, and then the launch group was a different group, and that's where enablement, but I, your point well taken, Absolutely.
1: So my wife tells me I'm a terrible listener, and she's right. So I may have missed customer success somewhere in here, uh, but you just said customer success I as well. I did, Rowan. Come brilliant, on. Brilliant. Brilliant. So for the retention and expansion they're at the tables, they, they have a say as to what plays get to be. Okay. Lovely. I told you. Yeah, she's right. Um, so you have product marketing right in the middle of those who build and those who sell. So we are well-positioned to help position the company. And to that end, before we get into how you've tackled positioning in the past, why don't we level set on what is positioning versus let's say messaging? There's lots of miscommunication out there. Who wants to tackle that one?
0: Um, Well, you provided this question earlier, so I even looked it up to double check, so I was like, I really wanna make sure I answer this right. Um. Chat GPT. (laughs) I don't know. Is it a trick question? No. Um, so, uh, the, the difference is, like, when you have a positioning brief or a positioning document, it should really define the problem that's being solved, have that core messaging that can be leveraged, or the, you know, the core messaging that can be leveraged for your messaging. So, um, you know, if, if it's hard to get this done well it takes it takes time and it needs to be refined and I think it needs to be a living document but then that's what the campaign teams get the content teams get to then iterate their um, their campaign messaging or copy off of um, I recall um, that uh, I put content in product marketing a couple of times like on real technical products and I think that has helped a lot of you know get the positioning to messaging with the right, Um, uh, flavor for the audience in mind when it's a super technical product.
3: I think about, I agree with all that, Sydney. I think about positioning a few different layers. I already mentioned the category as the top most layer where you're trying to define the problem that you're solving. And again, a lot of the marketing that we do is evangelizing that problem. And then the inference of course, is that Clary is a solution to that problem. And that crisp positioning on that high level category is extremely important. And then kind of the next click down is your technology for us. It's our revenue platform. Well, what do we actually do? What are the jobs to be done next level down by persona? And if we can connect all of that positioning from the persona through our technology, through the category, and there's a through line that actually makes sense, then the enablement to the field makes it makes life a lot easier. So I don't I didn't answer your question about the difference between positioning and messaging necessarily, but all of those things make up the positioning, and then the messaging falls out from there.
2: So I, I have, one way I saw it really spelled out is this uh, three concentric circles, and it's where one circle is your customer, and that's what they want when they're buying a solution. The other circle that's overlapping is y- your product, and what what what's your what's in it, what's the deficiencies, what's the FUD that's against it, how it wraps into the customer circle, and then pick one competitor. So you create these circles for each competitor, what they provide, and you very quickly see where you're positioned against what they're delivering for the customer, what you're delivering, and what the customer wants. And your job is to get more of your product and solution into what the customer wants and push them out and deposition them. So I see, I see that as a great way Uh, to look at positioning.
1: Brilliant, and the lovely Gloria Willis held up her five minutes. First of all, Gloria, you weren't here when I shouted you out, but this event coordination is because of the lovely work that you do behind the scenes, so thank you for everything that you do. Really, thank you. And now we've cut into some of that five minutes, and you're gonna give me another couple of minutes, right, Gloria? Uh, So, Let's quickly tackle how do you approach positioning at your organization, and then how do you launch it both internally and externally? The the Coles notes, if you will.
0: Three concentric circles? (laughs) I was going to go to revenue plays. Should we just do that?
1: With a couple minutes left? Sure. And you um, can ask us about positioning and our approach to it during the break. But, But revenue plays, first of all, let's define a revenue play. What is a revenue play?
0: I think it's the the buyer problem, the solution, and how the entire team lines up behind it. and And so I like to, I mean this I think is super strategic now more than ever. And getting all the people in the room to design it makes super sense. So I'm actually working with one of our portfolios right now on doing this specific thing. It's like how do we find the space where we know we are differentiated and is the easiest entry point into an account? and then how do we evolve that? Uh, story that play across the entire customer lifecycle. So it starts with what is the message and market that's going to draw them in. What's the land? How do we align our sales and customer success teams to get the customer to the success point where we can start having the conversation for the expand and even drawing it as a picture. It's like you land here, then you you know you target these personas, and you, this is how you expand and and having the like the row under that is like what are all the artifacts and assets that we need to to take the customer on the journey where we're continuing to drop the breadcrumbs on the journey that they're going to take with us to the full platform sale um it just you know it's e- it, we found with this particular uh, company that it was easier for them to to land versus the trying to tell the whole big story at the same time and sell the big the big win. And so we did a trial on that, and now we're going to roll it out uh, across the teams. And so it'll be marketing, product marketing, uh, SDRs, sales, customer success, CRO, everybody in a room until we get that completely mapped out. And I think the key is on the success side: when is the right time to engage in the next phase of the conversation mm-hmm. to to start to seed the success? So if they let the account manager hold the account, then they're driving the conversation. But if not, you have to enable the CSM. And that's hard. That's not what they're programmed for. So
3: the definition of a revenue play for us is taking the right message to the right people at the right accounts at the right time. So the message accounts people in time. And and I think a lot of teams skip the account prioritization step of this. And they're like, ah yeah, our revenue team's just gonna go out and take the same message to every customer in their book, and that's not the way to approach it. There needs to be some sort of segmentation that happens, whether you're using an intent tool or you're using some other sort of something to create a subset of your accounts so that one minute left, so that you can have some sort of message that's actually going to resonate with them. If you try and take the same position or the same message to everybody at the same time, you're not creating a bespoke enough experience, and you're not going to be spurring people into action. And so in all likelihood, there's some sort of way that you need to slice and dice your account data to understand who should we, who should we reach out to when. And then inside of those accounts, based on segment or industry or geo or whatever, there's a, a subset of the buying group, not the entire buying group, but a subset of the buying group that you want to start an opportunity with. And if you can answer those two questions, then you can create the right positioning and messaging that should resonate.
1: Brilliant. Megan?
2: I mean, short answer in our 10 seconds left is I prioritize revenue plays based on what I think the best return is going to be, and that's where do sales want to be, who do they want to be talking to, and how do I get them together and uh, create those themes across the marketing organization.
1: And so that means you're at the table with sales and customer success figuring out what are the actual objectives for that quarter and or biannually, annually, and then crafting a set of plays accordingly. Fantastic. How, How many
0: do you think a team can handle? How many plays at once? Four? But probably three. Probably three, yeah, that's it. <laughs> my favorite number. <laughs> gave, two gave to three.
1: I them four. <laughs> I've seen two to three work with success. Um, I know we're at time, and so I'll end with this. The discipline of product marketing, the power of the two tools, they're not exercises, they're tools, and treat them as strategic tools. Positioning and, mes- positioning and revenue plays, messaging is important too, positioning and revenue plays. These are your three keys to success. I'm a little bit biased as a product marketer, uh, but these are your three keys to success in a world where you have to be very efficient in producing your results.